You're listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts. Hi, this is Caitlin Martin. This is Patrick Martin. This is Mark Alderman. This is Howard Schweitzer. Good morning. We're back. It is July 30th. I'm not supposed to say the date, but I'm saying the date because this has been a big week and a lot to talk about. Um, Caitlin, Mark, and Towner are with us today and uh, all from our from our Washington office. And we... I guess we have a bipartisan infrastructure d- deal. We we do. Um, uh, Towner, you're you're yeah. you're a veteran House Rules Committee staffer. Where There's, are we there. procedurally with with everything? Well, my Twitter feed has uh, has gifs of uh, white smoke constantly through it. So, so we definitely have a deal at this point. Um, the Senate is is uh, cleared the cloture hurdle uh, earlier this week uh, with sixty seven votes, I believe it was uh, on on final passage. Uh, and so, uh, today they will move to a motion to proceed later this morning, which is also a sixty vote threshold. Um, and so, they will be. Uh, taking that up, but there's no reason to think that they're going to lose Republicans at this point. Uh, but they will, however, have to produce text. We haven't seen the text of this of this deal yet. They'll have to produce text at some point coming up here, uh, probably this afternoon, uh, and then eventually CBO scores by the beginning of of next week, uh, probably that they'll be able to to do the final scoring of the package. But this sets up a work through the weekend for the Senate. Uh, get it done by the by the beginning part of next week, probably on Tuesday of next week. We'll have some final passage votes uh, and then move on to the to the budget that'll provide for the three and a half trillion dollar um, uh, budget reconciliation package that would move in a partisan manner. So okay. that's the so, that's the game plan. Governor, walk us through that piece of the puzzle. Walk us through the linkage between bipartisan and partisan. Yeah, you bet. So the the bipartisan package will obviously pass first uh, at the beginning of next week in the Senate. Uh, Then the budget will be considered, which is a partisan budget. They're going to need all 50 votes. And uh, Majority Leader Schumer has confirmed this morning, breaking news, that uh, he has received commitments from Manchin and Sinema to vote for the underlying budget resolution. That's not to say uh, they're going to support the budget reconciliation package, which is a separate bill. Uh, that still needs to be drafted, that would spend three and a half trillion dollars uh, in a in a partisan manner on on parts of the American Jobs Act uh, that weren't completed in the bipartisan package on the American Families Plan, uh, immigration provisions they'd like to put in, Medicare age adjustments and the like. Um, they're going to be drafting that package over the course of August. So you have to pass the budget before you can pass uh, right or then pass budget reconciliation. Uh, and so uh, this is a process that's going to play out certainly over August and, and well into September. And uh, I think there's some pessimists uh, amongst us, myself being one, who think uh, this is probably not going to be, you know, third week of September, a historic vote on a three and a half trillion dollar package that we're going to be um, into the fall. And uh, I told uh, a client earlier this week that if I were a betting man, I'd probably uh, put money on a historic vote on December 17th, which is the Friday before the holidays officially start. So, um, so Caitlin, what I know you have a view on on the bipartisan package. What's what's your take? 
Well, I think it was really notable that 17 Republicans joined um, all 50 Democratic senators to vote to advance uh, to vote on cloture to advance the discussion on the bill. And I think there are a couple of more folks, Senator Thune, who's our uh, minority whip, being one of them, who did not vote for cloture because he wanted to see bill text, but may actually get there and vote in support of this package. I was talking to friends this week and I said, I think it's a BFD that we've got a BID this week. It's nice to see the Senate actually work on negotiating and you know, doing what they're supposed to do and working with the White House and working with the 50-50 split Senate and, and finding the support needed to advance something that, you know, Americans need, a hard infrastructure bill for roads, bridges, ports, waterways, water systems, broadband, some electric vehicle um, build-out components. I mean, there's a lot in here. And I, I think back to the days of the Trump administration when it felt like, Every week was infrastructure week there for a while. And it's ironic to me that there's a lot in this bill that we wanted, you know, four years ago and, and couldn't get agreement around. So I'm pleased to see the Senate do their job, negotiate on a bill. Um, and I do think it this makes it a little bit more difficult to get some of the more progressive priorities into a reconciliation package down the line. I think there'll still be something, but I don't think it'll be quite as big as folks were anticipating. And I think that you know, Senator Portman and Senator Sinema did a really phenomenal job in this negotiation. And it's great to see the Senate, you know, back back to work. Caitlin, even Mitch McConnell voted for it. Even Mitch that? McConnell well, voted for it. Yeah. Did week for Mitch. He voted for it and he spent money telling Kentuckians to get vaccinated. Is Mitch all right, Caitlin? What Mitch is doing just fine, Mark. Mitch, Mitch is Mitch. It's all about the long game, Mark. All about the long game. Well, can I also amend, uh, supplement what Caitlin said by a shout out to Steve Rochetti and Joe Biden That's for that fair. matter? This doesn't get done if Joe Biden isn't president, and it may not get done if Steve Rochetti isn't sent by the president to work with Portman and, and cinema. And I completely agree with Caitlin's enthusiasm for it. It's good to see the White House and the Senate doing their jobs. Just one uh, well, two political notes, uh, Howard, uh, on the consequences of this. I I think it's good for Joe Biden. That won't surprise you to hear me say that. But also, interestingly, this package saves the filibuster. We've talked on and off for six, seven, however many months. What are they going to do to the filibuster, 50 Democrats and the rest? Well, I, I think any any hopes that some progressives had of uh, fixing or eliminating the filibuster probably disappear when this passes. Because well, as Caitlin I, says, it 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 shows you can actually legislate. So so Mark, in a, in a few months, when immigration provisions get viciously removed from this budget reconciliation package because of budget process issues, and when the voting rights bill continues to be stuck uh, over in the Senate, do you think progressives are going to give up this the the drive right. to get rid of the filibuster? No. I mean, no, I there's don't. always another issue. Oh, <laughs> there there will be noise, but the signal is how you move a Senator Cinema or Senator Manchin after this is hard is hard listen, for me to see. Listen, this, this is their is, rebuttal. 
This is their rebuttal. Well, they weren't doing it anyway, Mark. And I think that they weren't getting rid of the filibuster anyway. Look, I think this is symbolically meaningful. It's good for the country to have a bipartisan deal in the Senate, emphasis in the Senate, because there's this other body called the House of Representatives, which isn't passing this package so quickly. People. I disagree, Howard. I, I know it might not be quick, but they're they're going to wind up passing this. I think. I didn't say they weren't going to pass it. I said they weren't going to pass it so quickly. And my no. thesis is that this was getting done one way or another, bipartisan or yeah. partisan. The Republicans right. had to pick. Pick your poison. Do you want to say or not? Because. And this is political cover for the budget reconciliation package, which will be a highly partisan human infrastructure, primarily human infrastructure package. Um, Nancy Pelosi has said they're not taking up the bipartisan infrastructure deal from the Senate until they take up budget reconciliation, a budget rec a budget reconciliation package. So, I actually look at this as a bipartisan piece of a partisan package. And Agreed, but let's let's let Professor French walk us through why he <laughs> thinks the bipartisan piece is going to pass in two weeks. So, well, so here's where the rubber hits the road. The House has to come back and consider the budget resolution uh, to start drafting the, the budget reconciliation provisions, that three and a half trillion dollar package. Before they start writing it, the House actually has to also pass the budget resolution. It's going to be a quick vote. It's a one day thing for the House of Representatives. And quite frankly, with proxy voting still in place, I can imagine there might be one or two or three members of, of the House there. I mean, talk about a, a horrible optics for um, for democracy. Uh, the members can't be bothered to come back to vote on a budget resolution uh, that is that is massive and sweeping. But uh, uh, Thank but you, ultimately, Nancy Pelosi. there you go. Thanks, Nancy. Uh, but ultimately, they have to come back and they have to vote on this budget resolution. And there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on the speaker, including probably from the White House to consider that uh, bipartisan piece at the exact same time. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. There's going to it's going to be stressful, I think, through uh, early August here. I, I think, yeah. Caitlin, you you agree with that, right? You don't see the House coming back in two weeks and passing the budget uh, piece without passing the bipartisan piece. I, I think that's correct. But I think they're going to have to they're going to be in a position procedurally and timing wise where they, I think Speaker Pelosi can say we voted on the budget. We're working on reconciliation. And that sort of meets her arbitrary. You know, we're not voting on the infrastructure package before we've got the instructions for a reconciliation. I do think, look, there's a lot of, of what's in this bill. It might not be as much as a lot of the progressives wanted, but these provisions were also in, you know, the American Jobs Plan. It's just not as much. So are we going to have a situation where the Speaker and leadership in the House with, with their, you know, very slim three-seat majority decides that they're not, they're going to vote against something or not bring something forward that does exactly what they want, just not enough of it? But... I guess my view is, or my question is, it, it, 
you know, how much control does she have? Because that's what this comes she, down to. She has all the control. She is Nancy Pelosi. She has not failed on anything that's she has, true. has said she would do. And that includes a, you know, we're talking about 12 years worth of leadership here. Um, you know, she has not failed on anything. And in her penultimate year of leadership, probably, uh, before we, we see a retiring Nancy Pelosi at the end of next Congress, I would not doubt her on this. But Howard, what's your it's, question? What what is it that I mean? It's four hundred control. There are four hundred and thirty five votes, and of course, some segment of that are going to do whatever she says. She I had, guess I, she has a three vote margin. What she, what she has a three right? She has a three vote margin, and I just question whether. I think the blue on blue issues in all this are far more significant than the red on blue issues. And I I think it's being under appreciated, not on this podcast, but out there in the, in the media anyway. And I I guess I just question whether this can be held together. She wants, yes, it's her last hurrah, but her last, Hurrah is not passing a bipartisan infrastructure package. Her last hurrah is passing a $3 trillion human infrastructure package. That's what she wants to do. There's a ton of health care in there. Uh, there. There's going to be. I think that's where she's cashing in all her chips. Right. But to your point, just to uh, uncharacteristically agree with a couple of things you said, it it the blue on blue piece is going to be trickier than the red and blue piece in, in the house for sure and in the senate perhaps also but it's what you said i, I had a number of chiefs uh, chief of staff types in both the house and the senate say to me this week exactly what you just said howard they were channeling howard schweitzer well there you they go they said they said look this bipartisan thing is just fine. It doesn't have all that we wanted in it, but it's a down payment. And we're going to go get now everything else we wanted in the reconciliation piece. Footnote subject to the Senate parliamentarian, because you can't reconcile everything. But the attitude, I think, of of leadership and, and rank and file progressive and, and moderate alike is it's a bipartisan piece of a partisan package. And the important part is, is the partisan part. And I think you're going to see Pelosi lead her caucus to a, a reconciliation. Listen, I'm the proverbial man in the middle. Okay. I'm all about bipartisanship and I'm all about bringing the country together and reinvigorating the institutions of government. I just think there's a political reality. And the reality is that the Democrats control government right now on, on some level anyway. Um, And this is much, this is all about blue on blue. This is cover for mansion and cinema. Um, It's all about, blue on blue. And, and I think that's the way you have to look at this. And that's not to say that it's not meaningful or significant. It, it is. And I'm, I'm happy to see it. I just think you have to look at it as part of the bigger picture. Yeah. 
I mean, if you look at Congress, you know, collectively, they're generally saying, meh, who cares about the bipartisan package at this point? House and Senate Democrats think it's woefully insufficient and just want to talk about the reconciliation package. House Republicans probably aren't going to vote for the dang thing. Uh, too many of them are Apple not will, too many of them are going yeah, to vote for. Right. Some of them will. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, Senate Republicans, you have half of the conference who say, heck no, I'm not voting for this. And the other half of the conference is celebrating their incredible wins. So you really have like 20 members of the Senate uh, that are really touting this and that's about it. And then the president's touting well, it. So, hey, right. but that's how the system was supposed to work, right? I Absolutely. mean, that's this is the system is working. That's bipartisanship. That's bipartisanship. <laughs> right now, bipartisan. Well, and and a plug for for my guy uh, in the White House, as Caitlin said earlier, there was no leadership from the Trump White House on infrastructure, and nothing happened. And I think Joe Biden, and I'm. Given another shout out to our friend Steve Rachetti because he was the the guy in the room. I, I think they get big points for leading, leading. Actually, yeah, this leading doesn't get done without Biden. This. Period. This, is, this is Biden's package. This yeah. is Biden at his best too. This the old school it, Senate deal right. maker. He knows these players. He's served with them. He knows how to get things done. And it's, you're you're right, Mark. I give him props as well. I mean, even you know, me. Wow, that we Jared Kushner was so close, though. <laughs> Jared Kushner was so close, so close to prison. Is that what you were referring to? World War still oh, is. Boy. So, yeah. I shouldn't. I apologize. I withdraw that. I'm going to leave it on the high note that Caitlin and I agreed that Joe Biden's a great president. <laughs> Oh, it is. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> We've had some blunders this week, which we can get to. But on this specific instance. He did a good job. Well, what are the blunders, Caitlin? Let's go there. Oh, gosh. Really? (laughs) Look, I think that we are in a pretty precarious situation right now. Obviously, Delta is, is, is a concern across the country, but there's a lot of frustration with our public health agencies and with government in general and with this reversal on masking and with CDC flip-flopping week to week to week and putting out new guidance with little data and then big city mayors putting out, um, you know, reversing guidance and and starting to um, kind of take us backwards in a lot of ways when case numbers aren't quite there. So I think there's been some blunders this week with the White House and with leadership and our public health community. And there's a lot of confusion out there and there's a lot of frustration out there this week um, from a lot of folks. Is it communication or content? I think it's both. I think I think we I think CDC has really mishandled a lot over the past year and a half, and as has a lot of our you know public health leads. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about how I thought you know the reopening and, and the, the unmasking was great and helped lead to higher vaccination rates. And folks realizing there's a point to this. Okay, we're coming to an end. And what I saw this week was a massive reversal. It feels like we're back to, uh, you know, September, October of 2020 again. And that's not what folks want to see. I, well, I think the question is generally, you know, and, and the question in, in a lot of Republicans' minds, because this, this certainly breaks down along party lines quite a bit, uh, not ne- not exactly, but but quite a bit, is, you know, if being vaccinated and being unmasked was safe, three weeks ago, why is it not safe this week? And I think that's, that's the question a lot of folks are asking. And I'm, you know, I'll tell you this, I have some clients that are, that are small business owners. 
that, uh, you know, I talked to this week and, and they're seeing the downturn coming already. And they're saying, why are we doing this again? When, you know, I, I just want to have my restaurant open or I want to have my, my, uh, you know, venue open. Or Towner, it's as simple as why is it safe to be unmasked on the Senate side of the Capitol, but not on the House side of the Capitol? I mean, I know what we're seeing. It's a zoo and it's a little bit of a sideshow up there for the past 24 hours. However, this is what Americans are questioning. Are we well, following the science or are we not? Yeah, I think it would help if people, sorry, Mark, but it would help if people would follow the science and get vaccinated. Bingo. Bingo. That's exactly this is not right. about masks. Masks are a sideshow. And granted, the CDC gets no, oh, what is it, the P, but whatever award you get for advertising, if the CDC doesn't get that award last year, this year, or next year, the content of what they're trying to do, it seems to me, is follow the science. And what's changed is the virus has changed. That's what has changed. I'm I'm no immunologist. I don't know if the viral load is 10 times or a thousand times. But the whole thing to me is, Howard, exactly what you said. Enough about masks and social distancing. We're either going to vaccinate enough Americans or we're not. And that is where the the answer lies. And that is where all the energy is. I don't think the administration did a brilliant job of communicating on that either, frankly. But I think that Biden is is right to be talking about vaccination. And I, I am hopeful that employers who, after all, run the health in the health system in the country through their insurance, I'm hoping that employers get us where we need to be. Yeah, that might be a set. Yeah, go ahead. Go It'd be ahead. a great I, I was private just sector win. I, and I'm telling I, I, what I'm what I'm saying is what I'm hearing from the private sector this week is they're seeing business numbers decrease uh, as these these masking social distancing rules really starting to tighten back up. And so you know we were off by two percentage points I think on GDP uh, earlier this week. Um, you know, and and be it that master a sideshow or not. It is certainly the only thing right now that American people seem to care about when it comes to the virus is whether or not I need to wear a mask or not. That is sort of the indicator that everybody, all Americans are using as to whether or not uh, they are safe or they are in trouble. And so, um, you know, it's 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 real what people feel about the masks. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm anti-mask in any way, shape or form. I'm just saying Let's let's find a policy that seems to be rooted in in some science. sort of science. Science, yeah. But the problem is, this is a we're we're still in a global pandemic, and by the way, it sucks, and it's going to continue to suck, <laughs> and it and it's no. going it also is going to change, and and it's the virus it's, is has mutated, and it's going to continue to mutate, and it's hard to follow, and this is hard to deal with, and. Yeah, the CDC is a horribly bureaucratic, um, sometimes ham-handed agency. And I don't think, I think there will be a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking of what the CDC has done and, and how they do what they do. But, but this is also really difficult. And I feel like masking or un, not is, is a, to some degree anyway, a personal choice. 
Um, go tell your friend, not you guys, but everybody should go tell their friend to get vaccinated. Well, and by the way, this isn't an R versus D thing either. The vaccination. It's, it's but if if you if you and Mark and the White House and the CDC think that by CDC saying we all need to mask back up again, that's going to no, encourage those folks that are no. still unvaccinated after how many months to go well, get vaccinated. That's them. silly. That's true. Or wear a mask. That's fair. What These are the story? people that are unlikely to wear masks or be vaccinated anyway. We should do what some countries are successfully doing. And that is say to the American people, your choice, you don't have to put something in your body if you choose not to, but you also don't get to ride the subway if you choose not to. And you don't get to go to the baseball game if you choose not to. And you don't get to expose your fellow Americans to risk. I, I think that is the answer to the vaccination riddle. We're not going to have a national vaccine mandate. I don't know that it's even constitutional, let alone politically uh, tolerable. But there are consequences to a decision not to get vaccinated. And I think employers and government alike have to start imposing those those penalties. Well, employers are government because this week you had the Biden administration say to federal employees, right, weekly testing or vaccination, you pick. The same thing in New York, the same thing in California. Yeah. But they're going to pay for the testing, first of all. Okay. So, I mean, this is really not a stick per se. This is not the hammer that Mark wants to put down. And instead, you know, he backed off the mandate. He said, or you could get weekly testing if you don't want to get vaccinated, if you're a federal employee. And then this morning he says, and by the way, I'm going to give you all a hundred bucks each if you get a vaccination from the federal government. So I'd like to know what pot of money that's coming from as well. The answer repurposed is, COVID relief, the slush fund that we still haven't spent from a couple wait, months wait. ago, Towner. Just footnote, no provider relief funds in that repurposing. <laughs> okay. That, yeah, we, we, we won't touch that those. Still. But, you know, I'm involved, as you guys know, with the major health system in uh, the in Southeast Pennsylvania. We have 40,000 employees. We're a health system. We have 40,000 employees. And we have a very good vaccination rate, much higher among frontline workers than, than some others. But we decided this week, as other employers are, and, and especially health systems, everybody, everybody gets vaccinated or, or you don't work here. And that is what I am absolutely encouraging and advocating the private sector to do. That that's the way out of this. The the we're gonna if you don't get vaccinated, we're gonna test you once a week and give you a hundred bucks if if you go get a shot is not the way to do this. This is too serious. Uh, Uncle Joe's all carrot, no stick. We need the employers to step up here. Yeah, I agree with you, Mark. Yeah. So as I hope Michael Heller's listening, Howard, to this podcast. That the future of democracy turns on Heller and, and McGinnis deciding to do the right thing. Okay. I'm sure they appreciate that, Mark. Um, uh, okay. So parting comments, parting thoughts. Caitlin. It's a good week for bipartisanship. We saw two big packages pass, or well, we saw one big package on um, the security supplemental spending pass the Senate 97 to zero, which was 
hotly debated over the past couple of weeks. Glad to see them get that done. And we're moving forward on a bipartisan infrastructure package. So good to see, you know, those those folks up on Capitol Hill doing what they were elected to do and and trying to get some some wins for the American people and some things done. Great. Mark. I agree with Caitlin. I'm I'm gonna leave it there. I agree with Caitlin. Good good week for the way the system's supposed to work and approaching, by the way, uh, Sunday, I guess, right? August, which is the best month of the year and the American people, uh, I'll bet, would agree if you could poll them because everybody leaves town and then no more fighting, no more damage. Let's let everybody get home, actually talk to their constituents, regroup and come back and do some more governing. Towner. You got mine, Mark. This is a 15 year. I am a 15 year House Representative staffer before I uh, came downtown. And this is the last day of school for the House <laughs> Representatives before the August recess. And this was the best feeling day uh, that you would ever have working in the House. Uh, now they are going to muscle through a five year extension or five month, excuse me, to the end of the year extension of the eviction moratorium in the House before they leave town. So we'll see what the Senate does with that hot potato. But, uh, but, and I'm sure. We'll discuss that on future podcasts. Uh, but uh, but to be celebrated today, uh, get get the house out of town, get them back School, home. Schools yeah. out. Schools well, out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good note to uh, to end on. So, all right, lots going on, uh, lots to continue to talk about, and uh, thanks everybody for listening. It's Howard, Mark, Towner, and Caitlin. No Patrick this week, and we will be back but, soon. Thank you so much. Shout out to Charlie for behaving so well. Yeah, Charlie uh, brought his A game <laughs> to the guess. podcast. Thanks. We lined thanks up the everyone. nap perfectly. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Thanks all. Thanks. You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.